chapter 14, Exodus chapter 14. And uh, listen, we're going to, uh, I tell you what, we'll go ahead and start off by reading God's Word. If you'd stand with me, we'll go ahead and read Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 20. Exodus 14, chapter 10 through 20. Everybody have it? Say amen. 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 And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they saw, and they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not the world, is not the, um, the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than it had should, than that we should die here in the wilderness. In verse 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Amen. And the Lord said unto Moses, Therefore criest thou unto me, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift up thy rod, stretch out thy hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon his hosts, and upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. In verse 18, And an Egyptians... Uh, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen, and the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp and the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and a darkness to them, but it gave light by night to thee, so that the, uh, so that the one came not near the other all the night. Father, we come to you today, again, so thankful, most importantly, for your son, Jesus Christ, and your holy word that we have that we can live by. Lord, it is bread to our everyday life, and I believe with all of my heart, Lord, that we cannot sustain or survive or make it without your bread, without your word, and God, we're so thankful for that. God, I pray that you would work tonight through me, use me, God, use me. Allow me to get this message out just as you have given it. And always, Lord, I pray that your son Jesus, your begotten son, your darling son, would be the hero of the story tonight. God, speak to us. God, move as only you can. And we're going to be careful to praise you and give you the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, we want to kind of catch you up to where we're at. So in Exodus, we kind of go back some... Uh, Moses was, we know Moses, we know, uh, 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 if we know anything about Moses, Pharaoh uh, had all the, the male children, all the, the boys' children to be killed. And, and, and kind of, if you look at it, do you know devil's been trying to always stomp out God and God's people and Jesus? He's always trying to take them out, right? But do you know that God has a greater plan, Right? God has a plan that's set in motion way before the foundation of the world. And where the devil's trying to catch up, God's already ahead of him. So God has a plan, and it's always miraculous, supernatural, and it's always perfect, right? And so here Moses is, uh, they tell the midwives to throw the babies into the Nile River. That's really no different than going to an abortion clinic and having an abortion. 
And so they go out and they start throwing the babies into the Nile River. But listen, God had a plan. And so Moses, his mother, waited. And then Pharaoh's daughter was by the river. And so she put Moses in a basket. Some people say that Moses was a basket case. Amen. Listen, so they put Moses. And if you listen, if you go back and read the story about that, the Bible says that she pitched it within and without. What else do we read that at? In Noah, right? Noah pitched it within and without, right? And so what that is, that's a ceiling. That's an atonement. And so she placed him in that basket, and she put him in the Nile River. And Pharaoh's daughter found him. And see, God God has always got his hands in the situation. Well, come to find out, Pharaoh's daughter knew a lady that could nurse him. That happened to be his mother, right? So his mother was able to nurse him and bring him up. And so, you know, no, um, Moses was brought up by the Egyptians, and as fast forward some, we know that Moses saw the Egyptians. We know that the Israelites were in bondage, amen? And so Moses saw the Egyptians beating on one of the Israelites. He got mad, and he slew him. He killed him, right, and buried him in the sand. And then come to find out, they found out about it. So Moses fled. He fled from Pharaoh. He went out into the wilderness. And I'm just trying to sum this up so we can bring you to where we're at. So he brings out, he comes out to the wilderness, and he's in the wilderness. But all the time that Moses is in the wilderness, God's preparing him for something. But also the children of Israel are back in bondage in Egypt crying out to the Lord. They're crying out to the Lord. And they're, they're just lifting up their voices to the Lord. And there comes a time, and I love telling the story to the children, there comes a time when Moses was in the wilderness. And therefore, he looks over, and what does he see? Moses sees a burning bush. The Bible says the bush was burning, but it was not being consumed. Amen? And so he began to approach that bush, and Moses was being, uh, was being told that, hey, you need to take your sandals off, for this is holy ground. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord began to speak to him through the bush. And I believe with all of my heart that that was a Christophany. That was the appearance of Christ. Because he said, you tell them, the I am, the I am sent you. See, Moses was struggling with some things at this time. Listen, the Lord was telling Moses to go get his people. Now think about this. Out of all the people in the whole entire world, God chose Moses to go get his people from bondage. And so here we are at the burning bush, and Moses is struggling with this call. Many people struggle with the call on their life. They think they're not adequate enough. They think they don't have what it takes. They can't speak right. But listen to what God says to Moses right here. This is in Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Moses was telling him, he said, God, I, I, I'm not a good speaker. I can't speak right. But listen to what God says to Moses, and the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Hmm. Or who hath maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have I not the Lord? Verse 12, Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what to say. So Moses had this, maybe this anxiety, this, this, this feeling come over him like, God, I don't have what it takes to go talk to Pharaoh. I don't know if you know who Pharaoh is, but that's a pretty mighty man. He's a mighty powerful man. But listen, he said everything he needed to know. He said, I will be with you. I will give you everything you need to say. Moses goes back to Egypt and, and confronts Pharaoh. The Lord pours out ten plagues upon Pharaoh. Listen, we read in Exodus 12 
that the children of Israel leave Egypt. We also read in Exodus 12 of the, the great Passover. The great Passover where they took the lambs. And every time I think of Passover, I think of Jesus, but I think of the Barneses. What? It, just, it was an Easter drama we had years ago, and I, I just, I can't get, I love it. But I think about that lamb. I think about that lamb, not the one that got loose. But I think about the lamb. And I think about those children and the father, and they taking that lamb and having to sacrifice that lamb. And they take the blood, and they took it, and they put it on the linen, and then they took it, and they had to sacrifice that lamb. Then they had to eat that lamb, and so many things they had to do. But when the death angel came over that night, the Bible says if there was blood upon the doorpost, then what? The death angel would pass over. And now, listen, that, that Passover went on for years and years and years and years. They still do it today. And so, listen, that was a very thing. It was a very important part. But listen, now the children of Israel are leaving bondage. They're leaving the Egyptian bondage. They're leaving out from under the hand of Pharaoh. Did God not tell Moses that I will be with you? You go tell them. You go tell them that I, you, to let my people go. And so now we read about in Exodus 12 that these people are leaving. Now we're going to arrive to chapter 14. And many of you know this story Many of you have been uh, heard this story multiple times of the Red Sea. And I pray that what God gave me over the last few weeks will minister to your heart. Moses is now standing at the Red Sea with all the children. Listen, in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today... You shall see them again no more. And Moses said to the people, Fear ye not, stand still. Listen, oftentimes, well, not oftentimes, all the time my mistakes, my mess-ups are from going too fast. Listen, if you was to read my Facebook post, there's a lot of misspelled words and mispunctuations and pronunciations and all that stuff. Half the time is... I'm going too fast, to be honest with you. And if I would have slowed down and reread it or check it, it would be better. If I'm working on something at home, I'm, I'm trying to get in a hurry, and I'm trying to get things done, and what happens is I get focused on too many things, and I'm not focusing on the one thing that I'm trying to do, and I wind up breaking something or messing something up. I got one man in the house. Amen. I'm with you, brother. Listen. But there's things in my life, if I could relate it back to something, it was because I'm, I'm, I'm focused on so many things. I'm trying to go so fast. I'm trying to do everything at one time. And I'm trying to get it all done before the deadline. And I wind up not doing anything right and messing things up. Let's just be real. That happens to me all the times. But listen to what's happening. The children of Israel were now in a state of panic, which causes us to do what? When we get in a state of panic, it causes us to do irrational, not irrational, irrational things. We're not thinking clearly. We're not thinking with the right thought process. And so now if you think about it, I'm going to kind of take you there. And so we can kind of go where the children of Israel are, okay? So now they have been released from bondage. Moses has said, Listen, God sent me. I'm taking you. We're going to the promised land. Are you ready? Let's go. They're like, yeah, I read this morning in my quiet time when I was studying. The Bible says this, that they walked out of Egypt with their hands high. They had their hands high, kind of like they were praising the Lord. Hey, there's freedom. We're, we're good to go. We're walking out of this stuff. Hey, finally the Lord has heard our cries. So here they are heading on their way, and now 
They're at a Red Sea. They have hit a dead end. Now there is a state of panic. Now there is a state of chaos. Now there is a state of irrational thinking and what may happen. Listen, in Exodus 14, chapter 10 through 12, this is what the Bible says. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, that means he was getting close, to the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, wherefore the house... Hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? In verse 12, Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than for us to come out here and die in the wilderness. I want you to look at that in your Bible. If you have your Bible with you, I want you to look at the context of what they're saying. I want you to look at the question marks on the after of what they're saying. They're asking questions to Moses. Listen to me. They're beginning to question what Moses has done. You can clearly hear in their voice they were afraid, they were questioning, and they were even doubting. Listen, Moses had just stood before Pharaoh, a mighty king of Egypt, and he just demanded the people to be released. And now they've been released. Pharaoh has released them, okay? And now they're out in the wilderness, and now all of a sudden they're at the Red Sea, and now they're beginning to doubt. They're beginning to get afraid. They're beginning to panic, and all these things are taking place. They are standing there looking at the Red Sea, and quickly closing in behind them was Pharaoh and his army. Listen, in this moment of crisis, out of all the things Moses said, he said this, stop. He said, be still. Now think about that. Hundreds of thousands of people gathered together at the border of the Red Sea. And I can imagine, I have, if we go to the worldly side, I've been on a scene of a major incident, a fire, a wreck, or whatever. And I've had... I guess you could say the privilege of being in charge of some of those. Well, you have people coming at you in every which direction. I mean, you're coming from over here. You're coming from over here. You're coming on the radio. You got family coming across the street. You got neighbors coming over here. And everybody's coming at you with every different direction. They're wanting to know, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What's going on over there? Is so-and-so still in there? This, 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 this. And they're coming at you from all other directions. Why? Because it's chaos. There's something going on. It's a tragedy. Listen, they know that there's a situation and things got to be done. They need answers. they're, They're doubting. Everything's going on. And so when we find ourselves in situations like this, what are we doing? And so the children of Israel, all they knew to do was go question Moses. They begin to question Moses. Look, you brought us out of here. You brought us out of here. And out of all the things he said, he said, stop and be still. How many times have you found yourself in a state of crisis or panic? I have multiple times. I didn't know when I prepared this message that the whole entire world would be in a state of panic right now because of a, of a virus that's going around. I didn't know that. But when you have a state of panic, when you have a state of chaos, it causes you to do things like go to Walmart and buy everything off the shelf. I'm not knocking that. I'm not condemning that. I'm not, I'm not preaching down on that. I'm just telling you, it causes you to do things. Listen, we have family problems. We have marital problems. We have work problems. We have 
deadlines, we have financial problems, and the list goes on and on and on. And sometimes these things are major. Sometimes they're complicated. Sometimes you lose sleep over them. Sometimes you get sick over them because of things that are going on in your family, in your home, and in your work. And sometimes it causes you to doubt. And sometimes it causes you to be irrational in the way that you do things. Many of you know the feeling of being right in the middle while both sides are closing in. You've been in the middle of a situation and both sides begin to close in on you. And it seems like nowhere you can go, you could get out of the situation. These are some things that happen while in those moments. Number one, despair. The absence of hope makes you feel like you can't stand any longer. When we feel like both sides are closing in, whatever the situation may be, sometimes it causes a sense of despair. It causes a sense of hopelessness. And you begin to have this feeling inside of you. Listen to what the children of Israel said. They were so afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you felt like there was no hope for you? I have multiple times. I have multiple times been in a situation. Why? Because of the things that were going on around me. And you feel like sometimes when the world is caving in and this side is closing and this side is closing, you feel like you are isolated. You are on an island all by yourself. There's nobody there. There's nobody that can hear you. There's nothing that can be done for you. You're in a state of despair. The children of Israel were sitting there living it out and we're reading about it right now. They were questioning Moses. They were crying out to the Lord. Why? Because of the situation and the crisis that they were in. Their current circumstances led them to this situation. Number two, fear. Being in a dangerous or unpleasant situation causes you to retreat. Listen to what the children of Israel said. Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Listen, they had been in bondage. Matter of fact, he took all the stuff away and made them make their own mud and get their own straw. And they just I mean, constantly over the top of them, on the back of them, just nonstop. They were slaves to the Egyptians, and they just told Moses. They just told Moses, they said, we were better off. Let it, leave us alone. Let us go back and serve the Egyptians. That's like those people who are in jail, and they've been in jail and been in prison their whole entire life. And when they get out, they just go out and do something else because they can go back to prison because that's all they know. they got something to eat, somewhere to live. They're in bondage in prison. The children of Israel were in bondage in uh, in, in Egypt. But listen, when they were looking at a Red Sea, I've never been to the Red Sea. Steve, you've been to the Red Sea, I think, or, or maybe Donald, or okay. Well, I've never been there. And so they're looking at a Red Sea. I've been to the ocean. I've been to the Gulf of Mexico. So if you've been to the Gulf of Mexico, just put that in your head for tonight, okay? And then go home and Google the Red Sea and then swap it out. All right, so listen, you're looking at the Gulf of Mexico. You're looking at this huge beach, and you're looking at the ocean. And then you you got you, you, you to remember Pharaoh, his horsemen, his chariots. We're going to get into that later on. They're coming after them. Yes. Being in a state of crisis will cause fear. Some of that we've seen today. We've seen it around us. People are in fear of not knowing what's going to happen. How this is going to pan out. Who's going to survive and who's not. 
Number three, impatience. Mm. Oh, me. Irritability and restlessness. I want to confess to you that that's, that's me. This will absolutely cause you to do very irrational things. Guys, this is the mentality of I have to fix it, and I have to fix it now. I have to fix it, and I have to fix it now. Listen, there's times in the Bible we read about people who tried to fix things and it just didn't work out good for them. Sometimes in your marriage and in your life, you, you, you try to fix things spiritually. You try to fix things mentally or physically or whatever, and it's just not meant for you to fix it. Someone else needs to fix it, and especially in our spiritual walk, sometimes and most times, all the times, we can't fix it. There's things that my wife deals with that I cannot fix it. It has to be the Lord and the Lord alone. And sometimes inside, I feel like I need to make it right. I need to fix this, but I can't fix it. It's got to be the Lord that fixes it. And oftentimes we feel like we've got to do something. We got to do something now. It causes you to do irrational things. And nine times out of ten, what does it do? It causes you to break it or to mess it up or to make it worse. Sometimes it's better to say, nope, I'm going to walk away from it. I'm going to give it to God and I'm going to wait on him to answer and I'm going to wait on him to fix the problem. Be still. Fear not. Why? Because of anxiety. Anxiety. When, we, when we're in a state of fear and, 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 and crisis and turmoil, we have anxiety. Irritability. Restlessness. You can't sleep at night because your mind is a million miles an hour. I mean, you're thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow. You're thinking about how you're going to fix this tomorrow. And tomorrow ain't even here yet. you got stuff today you've got to deal with, amen? You're worried about your family member who's been stricken with cancer. You're worried about your daughter or your son that's off in college. You're worried about your wife who's driving home from work late at night. Whatever it may be, that fear has encapsulated and it's made you anxious and it's made you nervous. And now you get impatient. See, the children of Israel could have got impatient. They could have got impatient and just and ran back to, 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 to Pharaoh's army and just waved the white flag and said, here we are, take us. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, he would have killed them. Some of them could have jumped into the Red Sea and said, I'm, I'm going to swim. I'm going to swim. Moses, obviously, you don't have any control over what's going on right now. You don't know what you're doing. I'm going to jump into the Red Sea because it's our only hope. That's called doing something irrational. Number four, speculation. The forming, of a theory where, the forming of a theory without firm evidence. This is done often. Sometimes we begin to ask, is God mad at me? Is God angry with me at what I've been doing? Is God trying to punish me? Am I in trouble by God? Or sometimes we begin to think, is so-and-so mad at me? They hadn't even spoken to me. They hadn't even looked over my way. I sit over here. They hadn't even looked at me. And all reality is they probably hadn't even thought about you. You know what? The devil sitting there whispered in your ear, oh, Miss So-and-so, yeah, you walked right past her in the hall. She didn't say a word to you. I bet, mm, yep, she's heard about what you said. And all you can't even listen to the word of God being preached because all you can think about what you said about Miss So and so, and she's heard it, and now you're upset, and you got this speculation. And finally, after a week and a half, you go talk to her and ask her about it. And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Matter of fact, I've been praying for you, and it's good to talk to you. And you're like, Oh my goodness, thank you, Lord. <laughs> speculation. Listen, speculation is all up in the church. 
Everywhere you go, there's speculation. People are thinking something about someone else that that has nothing to do. There's no facts. There's no evidence to it. And the children of Israel could have had speculation that God was punishing them. That there was no graves in Egypt, so they were bringing them out here to die. Because there wasn't enough There wasn't enough land, there wasn't enough soil in Egypt to be spoiled by the dead, rotten bodies of all the uh, Israelites. So we're going to bring you out here into the wilderness and you're going to die here and we're going to go back to Egypt and we're going to live our life. Is God punishing us? Moses, is God angry at us for what we've done? Is, is, Is God doing this? You see how that works? And listen, if you question God, I'm not, I'm not condemning you. I've questioned God. I've asked God why. I've had questions in my mind, and please don't think that I'm above all that. But sometimes what the devil wants you to do is to twist your thoughts, to twist your mind, and to make you think that everything is fogged up and God's trying to come after you for some reason. Amen. When God says, no, I'll come to seek and to save that which lost. I come to give my son Jesus to die on a cross for your sin. Amen. Yes, I'm here. I've never forsake you. I've never left you. Listen, be strong and have good courage, my friend, because I go before you. Amen. That's the reality of what God is. But the devil will come in those four walls. He'll come through those double doors. Sometimes he may be holding the Bible. Sometimes he may be wearing a dress. And he will cause division among the brothers and sisters of Christ by speculation. Number four, doubt. Excuse me, five, doubt. A feeling of uncertainty. The children of Israel said, Because there were no graves in Egypt, wherefore hast thou dealt with us? To carry us forth out of Egypt? Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? They were doubting. Here Moses, the man of God, comes on the scene. God get, commissions him, calls him to go get the children of Israel. They release him out of bondage. And now they're looking at him and they're doubting his very call, his very purpose. Let me tell you something right now. The devil loves to get a brother and sister in Christ to doubt. I'm t- He loves to get a Christian to doubt whether God can save or heal their loved one. He loves to get a Christian to doubt whether God can control a pandemic or an epidemic about a virus that's going around the whole world. He wants you to doubt and question his very authority. Do you hear me, church, today? The devil can get you to doubt him. That's what he wants He wants you to doubt the Word of God. He wants you to doubt the man of God. Everything of God, he wants you to doubt and second guess and question it. And now the very children of Israel, who God loved so much, who he heard their cries, amen, sent a man to go release them, and now they're questioning whether or not this man really loves us. They're doubting. You see how all these situations bring these things? And some of you are looking at me, and I know that you've walked in those shoes. And maybe you haven't. And I bless God for that. Thank God for that. Fear, anxiety, depression, despair, and all the many other things that are a bondage that can hold us captive. Listen to me in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall show you today. And the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them no more forever. What is so special about this? Out of all the things that Moses said, he said, stand still, be still. 
Moses may have not known how God was going to do it, but he knew God was going to make a way. Amen. Moses may have not known that God was going to part the Red Sea, but he knew that God called him to go get his children. And he knew the God that he believed in and that he served and he followed. And he knew that his God would never fail him and never forsake him. And he told them, he said, you need to not fear, my friends. You need to not fear. That's not of God. You need to stand still. You need to shut your mouth and be quiet. Amen. And you need to see the salvation of the Lord. Listen to what he said. He said, the salvation of the Lord. What does the devil try to get our minds and focus off of? It is Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus Christ is? That is the salvation of the Lord. If he can do anything, he wants you to get your focus and attention and your eyes off of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we need to set our affection on things above and not things of the earth. Amen. Listen, that's, that's, the devil, that's what the devil wants to do. And so he's saying, be still, fear not, and see the salvation of the Lord. Why would God deliver them from bondage unto death? He wouldn't. And see, Moses knew that. Moses knew that. Moses knew what kind of God he was. In Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had led the, let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, also, although that was near. Sometimes we want to go the easy way, Amen. And sometimes the easy way ain't always the best way. For God said, let us pre-adventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But listen to verse 18 right here. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed. They were ready. They were prepared out of the land of Egypt. See, God took them that way. Listen, if it would have been up to the children of Israel, they would have gone this way. They would have gone into the land where the Philistines were. They would have gone to the land where there, were war, uh, there was war. And the Bible says what? They would have retreated. But see, no. God's always got a greater plan. God's always got a greater purpose. And so here we are, God had a greater plan, a plan that they would see the marvelous works of the hand of God prosper. See, not only was God going to take them to where they knew there was no other hope but God, because he had to intervene. If he didn't intervene, they were dead. But not only that, he was going to take them in a way that we would, he said, where you, these Egyptians, you will see them no more. Did you hear that part? Did anybody catch that part? You will see them no more. He said, I'm going to take you to the Red Sea. I'm going to part the Red Sea. I'm going to let you cross on dry ground. But not only that, I'm going to destroy your enemy. See, God had a plan. God had a plan for these children. And, and right now, they can't see this plan. Like right now, many of us can't see the plans of our lives. Amen. We don't know what God's going to do tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. That's why we got to have faith in knowing that our God is in complete control. Listen, he holds the future. He holds the plans of our life. Amen. I love the illustration of Bob Ross. I always talk about Bob Ross when me and Holston lay in the bed at night sometimes and watch Bob Ross. Everybody loves a happy tree. But when he starts, it's like, what is this? It's just a bunch of mess on a canvas. But when he gets done, it's a masterpiece. But when Bob Ross starts to paint with that brush, with indigo blue, <laughs> when he begins to paint with that brush, he has the whole picture up here. He knows what he's putting on that canvas. He has the finished product up here, and he knows what's going on that canvas. We don't. All we can do is watch it unfold before our very own eyes. But all the time, the artist, 
is painting it on a canvas. That's our life. God is painting our life out on a canvas. He has an expected end for us, amen. He has a plan for us to prosper and to succeed and to grow in Him and in His Word, amen. But we can't see that plan unfold just like the children of Israel. They could not see ahead of them the Red Sea parting. But God used a man named Moses to lead them in that direction, and now he was about to show them redemption. He was about to separate the Red Sea. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 and 18, I've already read that. Just kidding. Listen, many of us have had a Red Sea moment in our life. We feel as though we are backed up against the wall with no way out. Has, many, has any of you ever been in a situation where you feel like there's nowhere out? You feel like there's anxiety. You feel like something's sitting on your chest. You feel like you're backed up against the wall and there's nowhere else to go. Well, the children of Israel were looking at that very situation. They had Pharaoh's army behind them. And they had a Red Sea in front of them. Listen, in these moments, how many times do we miss God because of the circumstances that are surrounding us? How many times are we starting to focus on everything that's caving in around us and not focus on the God that's above us and living in us? Amen? Listen, the devil loves chaos and confusion. We have to know and understand that this just isn't the way of God. God does not operate in confusion and in chaos. God loves everything done decently and in order. Amen? And if he can cause confusion and chaos amongst the brethren and sisters of Christ, listen, he is, he is succeeding. That's what the devil wants in our lives. Why does he want chaos? Why does he want confusion? Why? Because it causes us to have fear. It causes us to have anxiety. It causes us to do irrational things. It causes us to doubt. It causes us to do all kinds of stuff that are not of God. Exodus chapter 14, verse 3, And Pharaoh said to the children of Israel, Of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Listen to what Pharaoh said. He said they're entangled. You know what that means? He said they're perplexed. They're confused. See, Pharaoh looked down, and all he saw was the children of Israel standing before Red Sea and his army closing in. He said, they're confused. They went the wrong way. They made a mistake. We got them. We got them. The enemy said, we got them in our crosshairs. It's over. It's over. The Lord had already spoken to Moses and told him that he would show Pharaoh and the Egyptians, that I am the Lord. He said, I will show them. I am the Lord. God loves his people. And God, will, God, I'm telling you, God loves his people. When I hear the scripture say that he heard their cries, when he heard their cries, he went and got Moses and told Moses, go get my people. And here Pharaoh is looking at the children of Israel. And they're looking at the Red Sea, and they're in a state of panic and chaos and pandemonium or whatever you want to call it. And here he is closing in. He's thinking, it's it. I think of someone else one time that said, I think I got him. He's dead. He's dead. And they sealed the tomb. He said, we got him. The Lord hardens Pharaoh's hearts and caused him to go after the children of Israel. 
Listen, Moses trusted the Lord and his plan. And he tells him, he said, you will see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall show you today. Listen, we heard that from the very beginning of Exodus 14. He said, you will see the salvation of the Lord. Like I said, I don't know if Moses knew he would part the Red Sea, but Moses knew that he would make a way when there was no other way. That's the kind of God I serve, amen. He's a way maker. He's a chain breaker. I'm not Zach Williams. I'm not going to sing the song, but it sounded good at the time. And listen, do you ever think that God wanted to show them that he was their only hope in a time of crisis? Did we not talk about that this morning? Sometimes God brings us to a point, uh, 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 Brother uh, Craig, sometimes things happen. He calls us to go into a fasting and studying and uh, meditating on God's word. I believe with all of my heart God wanted to take him this way because he knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen. Reality is they are dead unless God intervenes. The children of Israel are dead unless God intervenes. The Egyptians, if they get to them, they're going to kill them. If they jump in the Red Sea nine times out of ten, they're not going to make it. They're going to drown. There's no way they can swim across the Red Sea. Amen. And they had no other way. So one had to intervene in this moment, in this crisis, when they were stuck, and they had someone had to come and rescue them and to save them. And God sent his power in his hand to redeem them in this moment. Amen. Do you not know that without Jesus Christ that we are dead? We have no hope. But in the fullness of time, when things were just right, God said, my, I'll send my son to be born of a virgin, to come live a life, to die a death, and to hang on a cross, to be placed in the tomb, and to resurrect. Why? Because I want you to be with me. I want you to have redemption. I want you to have remissions of your sin. Amen. I want the propitiation, the atonement to be on you by my son Jesus Christ. Amen. Somebody ought to say amen to that. In moments like this, that's when God uses his, uh, God uses to strengthen our faith and to trust him. In Exodus 14, 14, the Lord said, the Lord shall fight, uh, uh, the Bible says, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Listen, in many times, our enemy thinks they have us in the crosshairs, but they're already in the crosshairs of the Lord. Just like Pharaoh, listen to me, don't miss this. Just like Pharaoh was looking at the children of Israel, he said they're entangled, they're confused, they're perplexed. I got them in my crosshairs. The whole time God already had Pharaoh and his horsemen already in his crosshairs. Man, I'm telling you right now, that'll make a dead Baptist run a laugh right there. That'll make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Knowing that we have a God who's preparing a way for us and looking after us. We know that what? They were led by a pillar of fire. Amen. They were led by a cloud during the day. And I just read in the beginning of the scriptures that that pillar of fire, that, that, that presence of the Lord went out from in front of them and came out behind them and confused them and caused protection for them. Why? Because God loves us. Amen. He told his children that I will make a way. He told Moses that I will let my people go. And we have to trust and believe in what he says. Fight for you. Moses had no power to part the Red Sea. There's some battles that only the Lord can fight. There's some battles that only the Lord can fight. And there are many battles that are raging on in our minds and in our hearts and, and in our bodies and in our marriages and in our, and in our relationship with our kids. But we can't, we can't fix it. Only the Lord can fix it. I had a, 
I had a, uh, it was me and uh, McKenzie this morning. I, I taught Sunday school for Crystal, and it was just me and McKenzie, and, and we had a good time, and, and, and I was asking her questions, and she, uh, she wouldn't really talk to me, so I just, we, uh, she, uh, she asked, Crystal, Crystal said, well, did she talk to you? I said, no. I said, well, that's okay, though. We had a good time. But we was talking about these things. And I said, there's a spiritual realm. There's a battle going on right now that we cannot see. And Moses said, the Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Do you know what hold your peace means? That you will be still and be quiet. That you will be still and that you will be quiet. And sometimes in the midst of chaos and pandemonium and sometimes in the midst of fear and anxiety and all these things, it's best for us to just be still and to be quiet and listen to what God has for us and listen to what God wants to speak to us, amen, because probably he's going to tell us something that we need to hear. But if we're running around like a chicken with his head cut off and we're for fearing over this and we have anxiety and we got restlessness and impatience and all this other stuff, listen, we are going to miss out on what the Lord has for us. Listen, if Moses have not stood up there and said, listen, y'all, be still, fear not, and see the salvation of the Lord. Those people would have been running around so crazy, they might have missed on what God had for them. Amen? And so Moses brought attention to what God was going to do. Listen, the Lord did not want them to miss this. So many times we miss out on the Lord because, number one, our eyes are on all those around us. Amen, Andrew, that's good. Number two. Our eyes are on the storm. I told the kids the other night, we were talking about the, uh, the storm, and I said, what about Peter? I said, Peter was walking on water, right? I said, what was he looking at when he was walking on water? They said, Jesus. I said, well, that's right. I said, but what happened? They said, they took their eyes off of Jesus, and he began to sink. I said, because he took his eyes off of Jesus. You said it. That's it. He took his eyes off of Jesus, and he began to sink. Sometimes when we put our eyes on the storm, it allows us to sink. It causes more problems. It brings more anxiety. Listen, when we're filled with worry and doubt, number three, we miss Jesus. We miss what God has for us because we're so filled with worry and doubt. Number four, because we're weary and we're tired. We're weary and we're tired. Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we just get weary. We get beat down. We say, you know what, I'm just going to, Sleep in. Not get up and read the Bible. I'm not going to pray with my family tonight because we're tired. And sometimes we get tired because we're doing everything else other than what we need to be doing. Oh, me. Oh, me. I, I, I'll preach to myself. I'm helping everybody else out but who I need to be helping out. Oh, me. Number five, the devil has us defeated. The thing about it is, it's hard for us to be defeated when we're the victor's crown. When we're fighting from victory instead of for victory. When we're more than conquerors. When he that is in us is he the greater than he that's in the world. When no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Listen, it's hard for us to be defeated. What did the Lord show them this day? He showed them salvation. He opened up the Red Sea and he created a safe path with dry ground. In, Revel, uh, in, in Exodus chapter 14, verse 21 through 25, it says this, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back with a strong east wind all that night, and he made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. 
And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground. Don't, hey, don't miss dry ground. That's very important. You can't cross the sea on wet, muddy ground. Listen, they went across on dry ground. And the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on their left hand. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea, even all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. In verse 24, And it came to pass, in the morning watch, the Lord looked upon the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that they made the Egyptians say, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. Listen, when the children of Israel had no hope, when they had no way to make it across. They had no power to part the Red Sea. There was God in the fullness of time and in the right place and right on time to separate the Red Sea, to dry the, uh, the dry the ground, and then to close up the sea on the Egyptians. Amen. He made their chariots wheel fall off, and they began to look at the children of Israel. They said, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord fighteth for them. Amen. They knew there was a bigger hand involved in that battle. Amen. And it was the hand of God. It was the hand of God. See, God had a master plan right here, friends. God had a master plan. He said, I'm not just going to take them this way. I'm going to take them this way. Not only will the children of Israel know that I'm God, the Egyptians will know that I am God too. I am the I am. Amen. You tell them that I am sent you. I am the Lord of hosts. I am the King of kings. I am the everything that you can ever imagine. I am seated high upon the throne. And yes, I will conquer the Egyptians. Listen, I love reading 1 Kings and 2 Kings. I love reading 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles. I love reading 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. I love reading about how these children of Israel went to battle, and sometimes they were defeated, amen? God allowed them to be defeated because of the way they lived their life and the hearts that had been turned from God. But sometimes the God, uh, not, sometimes God would allow them to prevail. And sometimes they were outmatched and outnumbered. But God allowed them to prevail. We have an awesome God. I don't know if y'all are aware of that, but we got an awesome God today. And he is still alive. He's still on the throne. He's still in control. Amen. I'm going to keep preaching so we can go home sometime soon. Listen, he showed them salvation. God delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians, crushed the enemy, and gave them a new song to sing. Again, the Lord hardened the hearts of the Egyptians and caused them to go across the Red Sea after them. See, the Lord was hardened Pharaoh's heart. He caused Pharaoh to pursue them, and then he caused Pharaoh to what? Go into the sea after them, right? Listen, in Exodus chapter 14, verse 30 and 31. Thus the Lord saved Israel the day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw a great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. Let me, let me just stop right there. That shows me right there that God had a greater plan. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. They saw a greater work. See, God wanted to do something. You know, we have a God that does things exceedingly above, uh, abundantly above what we can ask or think, right? He's a much more kind of God. And so God wanted to do something miraculous that no one else could do. And, said he's, and Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people, listen to this right here. The people feared the Lord. Don't miss that. 
We were just reading about the children of Israel standing before the Red Sea, and they were in fear, and they were in turmoil, and they were in anxiety, and they were all these things going on. They didn't know what was going to happen. And now the Bible says in chapter 14, verse 30 and 31, that now they feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Listen, they were doubting Moses. They were questioning Moses. Why did you bring us out here, Moses? What was your plan, Moses? What's your purpose? What's your purpose? What's your motive? Why are you doing all this, Moses? And now we're reading about them. Now they're fearing the Lord and believing in Moses, his servant, and believing in the Lord. Does anybody else get this? Amen. See what God has showed them salvation. And so listen, when we live in a state of fear and anxiety and all these things, God brought salvation to us too. Amen. Listen, I'm getting ready to close. Where else do we see this at? The cross of Calvary. The death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 10 says this, from when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely the righteous man will once one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us, and yet that we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, Jesus, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we shall also joy in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. There was a time, my friends, when we were standing at the Red Sea. There was a time when we had no hope. We had nowhere else to go. And God showed up at the right time and at the right moment and gave us the ungodly a hope. And He made dry ground. And He opened up the Red Sea. And He made a way for us to cross and to get over to Him that we can have eternal life and forgiveness for our sins. Amen. Listen. And listen, God gave us salvation through His only Son. How many times do we miss Him? We must be still and see the marvelous works of Christ. Listen, we were never created to live a life of fear, to live a life of anxiety, to live a life of despair or worry or depression. Jesus came to set us free from all of those. Amen? Moses told them, the Lord shall fight for you. There was, there was a war raging in the spiritual realm that we could never have fought. Listen, in Psalms chapter 46, verses 9 through 11. It says, and he maketh wars to cease upon the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow, he cutteth the spear asunder, he burneth the chariot with fire. Listen in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted among the heathen, and I will be exalted in the earth. And the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah. I'm telling you right now, sometimes we just got to be still. We got to be quiet, and we got to know that He is God. Amen. I'm going to close with this scripture right here and I'll be done. Listen, listen. Lastly, I want to talk about this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Listen, He has not given us a spirit of fear, to, uh, um, cowardness, timidity. We're not to be timid. We're not to be cowardly. We're not to be shaken. We're just saying boldly with Christ. This is the scripture that I shared with McKenzie this morning. We're not to have a spirit of fear. 
Because when you have a spirit of fear, you do irrational things. You make irrational decisions. And you know what happens? It brings on anxiety and depression and all these other things. So God did not give us a spirit of fear. Know that now, that when we have fear, when we have doubt, when we have discouragement, that is not from God. He has given us power, man, strength and ability, the power to overcome these attacks. Listen, the devil is a defeated foe, and there is a power over the grave. What is the worst thing that could happen to a Christian? We'd be taken out of this world. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of a saint. Amen. I'm not telling you I want to die, but the worst thing that could happen is you'd be taken out of this world, and you'll be received in all of God's glory. Amen. You'll be with the Son, Jesus Christ. But listen, He has gave us power over the grave. Amen. He's gave us power over the demons and all the demonic things that have come against us and the attacks and the sicknesses and everything else. The same power that resurrected Jesus out of the tomb bodily and victoriously now dwells in us today. Amen? And sometimes as Christians, we need to start walking around like we have the authority and that power. Amen? He's not given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us a power, a spirit of power, and He's given us a spirit of love. Love is the greatest of them all. Charity is the greatest of the law. If we don't have love, we have nothing. God is love. This is an affection. Listen, it's an agape love, a love that reaches all the way within the veil. Within the veil, there was a time that only the high priest could go in the veil one time a year at Yom Kippur. And listen, he went in there to offer up the blood of the sacrifice onto the mercy seat for a petition, uh, p- atonement for our sins. There we go. I got to slow down. I'm gonna slow, let me slow down. I'm sorry. But only, he can only go in there one time a year. But listen, what happened? This love reached all the way into the veil. When Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, the Bible said the veil was rent from top to bottom. It was removed, and access came available to us. And now, as a Christian, as a brother and sister in Christ, I can now get on my knees and approach the throne room boldly and obtain grace and help and mercy in my time of need. Amen. God is an intercessor for the children. And listen, He is going to and from. Listen, the throne, and listen in our prayers. Listen, as Steve preached, He's poured out the bowl of sweet incense a vial of our prayers. He's taking our prayers into the throne room. He says, Father, these are from Andrew, and they are brought to you in my name, and they're covered with my blood. Will you, will you grant these prayers right now? Listen, if you abide in me, and my word abide in you, what you shall ask shall be given unto you. We have an intercessor. We have an advocate. We have a mediator, amen, that stands between God and man, and his name is Jesus Christ. That love reaches all the way in the veil. That love reaches to the depths of the darkest heart. That was me. I was wretched, I was sinful, I was wicked, I was worldly, and God's love penetrated through that. Went all the way to the depths of my heart. And he took that heart of stone out and put in a heart of flesh, amen. And saved me, redeemed me, and made me a new creation in him. A love that is unmatched, there's no other love, there's no greater love. There's no greater love that you will ever read about. The greatest love story that you can tell your children is not how you fell in love with your wife or how you fell in love with your husband, but it's how God loved his children so much that he gave his only begotten son from. It's written right here in the holy word of God. All 66 books of the Bible will tell you about God's love for his people. Amen. We need to start reading this. We need to start telling our children about this. We need to start telling the people around us about this. And listen, it's a love that allows us to overcome evil and to love others as Christ loved us. It's a love that allows us to overcome evil. There's some evil people out there. There's some wicked people out there. But you know what? Before I was saved, I was destined to the same hell they was. 
And they deserved every opportunity and every chance to receive the gospel message and to be born again and blood-bought just like I did. It's a love that will reach to the depths of the darkest heart. Listen, he's given us a power, a, a, a power, and he's given us love, and he's given us sound mind. This is self-control. I'm going to tell you right now, there's no way you can have self-control in the midst of chaos unless you have Jesus Christ. He is the only one. And it has to be the presence of Jesus Christ, and it has to come with an encounter. Listen to me right here. I think about in Luke when the, uh, when the, when the demonic man, he, he, he came and uh, Jesus told him, he said, let's go to the other side. And he, the disciples and Jesus got in the boat. They faced the storm. But when they got to the other side, there was a demonic man there. And that man ran up to the feet of Jesus and he bowed down to the feet. of Now, this man was chained up in a, in a tomb, uh, in, in a graveyard. He was chained up in a graveyard. But the Bible says, the Bible says this, that when they came back and saw the man, he was seated at the feet of Jesus, he was clothed, and he was in his right mind. The only way that we can be in our right mind and have control is to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Listen, it is, um, we need to slow down and to be still and then know that God is fighting for us. When Moses got to the other side, he began to sing. And whoever's doing the invitation, y'all come on. When Moses got to the other side, he began to sing a new song. Why? Because of redemption. Because of redemption. Listen, they were looking back. Listen, they were looking back on the Red Sea moment. Amen. Now we get to look back on the cross of Calvary moment. The, the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in the song Moses sang in Exodus chapter 15, verse 16. Fear and dread shall fall upon them, and by greatness of thy arm they shall be still as a stone. Thy people pass over, O Lord, till thy people pass over which thou hast purpose. I want you to notice that when you become still, and when you be quiet, and you know that God is God, you know what he does to your enemies? He makes them to be still as a stone. You ever seen a stone? They don't move. They're quiet. They're very quiet. He will stop your enemy in their tracks. He will, they have no power. They were awed by the power of God. Until the people pass over, till the people pass over, Moses said, which thou hast purchased. Listen, what he's talking about, he was talking about passing over into the land of Canaan, amen? The promised land. That's what Moses was singing about, amen? He didn't get to make it there, but Joshua picked up the torch, and he carried him over in there to the promised land, amen? And that's what he was singing about, which thou hast purposed. Purchase. What did Jesus Christ do on the cross of Calvary? The Bible says that we were purchased. We were paid for with a ransom. We were paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then Peter, it says this right here. For you are not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold and vain conversation, the traditions of your fathers, but you are redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, you ought to be excited about that. The enemy has no power. They are dead in their tracks. Now, many of us, many of us have allowed the devil to take the Lord's song out of our mouth. Moses was worshiping the Lord in song and praising him. Moses' song goes as this. Verses 1 through 10, the Lord saved his people. Verses 11 through 13, guides them to their inheritance. Verses 14 through 17, glorifies the Lord. And verses 18, the Lord reigns forever. Today, let God be your strength, your song, and your salvation. I'm telling you right now, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know if you're looking at a chaotic situation or turmoil or if you're worried about the stuff that's going on outside these walls with the uh, coronavirus. I don't know, but I want you to tell you this right now. If you didn't take anything away from this message, know that sometimes we just need to stop. We need to be quiet, and we need to be still, and we need to know. We need to know God is in control. And I want to extend this invitation to you. The only way that we can know that he's in control of our life and have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of us is by receiving Him as Lord and Savior of our life. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't done that, if you haven't done that, today could be your day of salvation. The Bible says those who call upon the name shall be saved. 
Listen, he'll save anybody that calls upon him. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to give the inheritance of the kingdom of God. He wants to pour his blood over you and redeem you and buy you. That way you can be a child of his. Amen. And you can do that by simply saying, Lord, just come into my heart. God, would you save me today? God, forgive me of my sins. Set me on fire for your word. But listen, maybe it's you. You know you're saved, but maybe you've walking away from God and you've gotten away from the word of God. Maybe tonight can be the night that you say, you know what, God? I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to you tonight. God, would you hear my cries? I know you heard the children of Israel while they were in bondage, but God, I feel like I am trapped. I am in bondage. I am dealing with depression. I'm dealing with discouragement. I'm dealing with anxiety, fear, and doubt, and whatever else goes on in your life. I am in bondage. God, would you set me free from this bondage? You do not create me, form me, and, and mold me to walk in bondage such as these. I'm coming to you, God. Father, we come to you tonight. Father, I pray...